Welcome to Hollywood 2.0, this is Peter Katz. On today's show, we have Mark Schiller, founder and CEO of Bond Strategy and Influence. He's consulted on marketing strategy for Banksy's Academy Award-nominated documentary, Exit Through the Gift Shop, and many other notable films. We do a lot of work with independent filmmakers and distributors, and recently launched an initiative called Bond 360 to really look at um, direct distribution and alternative distribution for filmmakers who um, are looking to do something outside of the the traditional um, the traditional distribution systems and I've uh, noticed that it seems like you don't like the term self-distribution why is that the case yeah I mean I think I think self-distribution kind of it, it, it implies that you're really doing it by yourself and and it's it's not it's not the case, and I, I think it's just become ghettoized in a word, kind of, in a in a way. Like if you're if you're self distributing a film, it means that nobody else wanted it. It means that you know you really didn't have an alternative, and you don't want to kind of you know do nothing with the film. Um, uh, so you're going to self distribute it, um, and and I just don't think that that really is what is happening right now. There's a lot of, of filmmakers who want more control in, in the way that their films are released and, um, and are putting together great teams to, um, uh, to work with to, to put the film uh, out there for the public uh, without selling it. Um, and so um, self-distribution has been kind of uh, applied to this, to, to this um, Kind of this growing uh, wave of filmmakers um, uh, going direct and 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 looking for alternatives, and I just don't think it, it it's 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 accurate, and it's it's also not not um, not positive. You know, it's not it, it it doesn't really reflect what's what's uh, what's really going on. Yeah, it diminishes from the fact that it's could be a business that it could be profitable. It almost feels like when people say self distribution, it sounds like a vanity press where. There is right. no filter. It's just like anybody could do it. But based on what I've read, you know, on your blogs, it isn't. That's not the case. There's high-level professionals that want to uh, go directly to the fans. They want that, you know, and they want to know who they are. They want to build those communities because they can keep going back to them versus giving away their uh, films and not knowing, uh, you know, anything about their fans other than their Facebook. But they don't know about the conversions as much. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot there, right? So, um, first of all, you know, it's not like the traditional is always that profitable now, uh, you know, anyway. So it's not like um, going going direct uh, or looking at alternatives is is less profitable to this, you know, to this to this growing market. I mean, for a lot of filmmakers, they're now, you know, they're now going to big festivals like Sundance or Toronto, and and they're getting, you know, very low low advances or or no advance offers. Um, and then ultimately, when you look at the way the films are distributed through the traditional ways, um, for many of them, uh, it's you know it's it's not the, the specifically the domestic release, the U.S. release, you know, doesn't become profitable. And so um, uh, you know, so so it's not like uh, going going direct is you know is is any less profitable um, for those kinds of, of scenarios. Um, and you're right. You know, we, you know, there's 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 access to a lot of great talent that's out there that um, uh, sometimes are being hired by the distributors when a film is being 
picked up anyway, um, and and filmmakers can can put together, you know, fantastic you know teams of some of the best people in the business um, without you know feeling like well those people are you know are only um, uh, only accessible to you know to the traditional distributors. Yeah, and what I've noticed is that for films that have actually made a profit selling to distributors, they're at a very low budgets typically and they're in genre they're like in the horror genre so it's kind of like they already have a you know built-in audience of horror and they're done so on such a low budget but it seems like at certain budgets it's very hard to recoup investment have you noticed is there a sweet spot for budgets for indie films whether or not they distribute like uh with the kind of the new model or or they sell distributors there's certain like budget that you'd recommend filmmakers to get into versus maybe higher or lower well, no, it's it's like I don't. There's so many different combinations. I mean, you know, you have films that have no no stars that aren't star driven, which you know can be made for you know real micro budgets. Then you have films that you know that that do have um, well known talent and 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 have stars, and that that's a separate you know a separate approach and budget. So I don't really think that that it's 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 about so much fitting fitting the model based on on kind of a, a, a magic number that one needs to get profitable. I think it's more about, you know, being smart in how you produce a film and, you know, and, and obviously spending what you need, but spending, you know, as little as possible to, uh, um, to, to, to make the film so that, um, you know, you're going to see uh, hopefully as much upside as, as possible. But I, I don't, I, I mean, every budget in every film is different. I don't think there's kind of any, any magic number. I think what people will say is that, you know, if your movie used to cost, you know, 10 million, make it for five. And if your movie cost 5 million, make it for two and a half. And if your movie, you know, used to cost two and a half, make it for, you know, one and on and on and on to the point that, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to get as much production value as possible for as little as possible. And I think to a certain extent that the technology allows the money to, to go f a lot farther than it did in the day because uh, the camera equipment and also too beyond just the technology it seems like a lot of bigger actors are taking risks in indie films so you could potentially have a much bigger cast on a lower budget yeah i mean it gets it gets a little bit complicated but but sure i mean you know certainly one thing is true is that you can make a film look um much uh, better and bigger for a smaller budget um i don't know if i if i really think that you know you could just make something for less less money because the technology is there. It depends on you know the type of film and the sets and the the you know you can't make a period film cheaper than what it costs to get the you know the 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 period look into the film. So um, if you if you script a film so it's 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 simple um, and 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 certainly with equipment now on the digital side um, you can make something look like ten million dollars for you know for for next to nothing, and certainly that's that's part of it. So I think it's more about the look that you can get for lower money. I don't know if always um, suddenly you know digital is uh, you know is is impacting necessarily the you know the budget uh, beyond that. So yeah, definitely there are some fixed costs. And um, in your career, because you've been involved in media and marketing and film, what has been your most memorable successes and challenges, and what you've learned from them? Well, everything is both, you know, I mean, I, I, I really analyze everything I do and I, I continue to learn and, you know, people always associate a success with kind of what the box office is, is suggesting. And so, you know, certainly 
um, extra through the gift shop, a film that we did, uh, a Banksy film, and then Santa come up a lot at successes. Um, but you know, there's there's minor successes in every film that we do, and and um, you know, while those seem to be kind of the ones that are associated with the work that I've been doing, um, you know, there's 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 lots of films, The Imposter, um, you know, uh, Poppy Hill recently. Um, you know, and, and I think I think you're right. One of the challenges is that people talk about the successes, but they don't necessarily talk about the failures um, or what didn't work and what adjustments we would we would do do differently. And I think you know internally we're constantly analyzing things and and making changes and and learning and then you know making adjustments for the next time. And based on, let's say, for instance, the one the victories you've had with, you know, the Banksy or you know, which, what is it kind of like a lesson you've learned? Because you know, you could learn from being able to go like, wow, everything kind of aligned, and kind of learn from that. And you can also go, all right, in the future, based on this data, I'm gonna, you know, pivot in this way. So based on a couple yeah. of the ones that so what have you like? What are the lessons that you got out of it? I think the lessons is that everything you know is interconnected, and that if you separate PR from you know, distribution from from marketing, from events, and everything not you know is separate silos, and and you have different teams working on different aspects of it. If you put you know social media you know with a, a, a different group that are then doing you know other aspects of a film release, um, it really doesn't work because what 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 needs to happen and and when success is is achieved, it's because all of these aspects of communicating. Um, uh, a film are all are all working together under one strategy, um, and and they're all inter- they're all interconnected. Yeah, so I, that's you know that that's certainly one. I think also you know the the power of a personal recommendation is what gets people into the theater. So we can you know we can buy all the advertising we want if we haven't reached people and 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 made them champions of the film or or you know encouraged them to become you know, our marketers, if you will, then you can spend a lot of money on advertising and find yourself um, uh, not not really seeing the results of it because you don't have that 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 second aspect of what's needed today, which is you know somebody uh, you know in your social media feed either saying um, uh, you know I want to see the film or I'm going to see the film or I've seen the film. And I love it. Um, most people, you know, won't act until they they have that personal recommendation. You know, the days that you know, um, and some movies, you know, a New York Times review. Okay, I want to see a movie tonight. I'm going to see a, 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 you know, I'm going to open up the paper, see what a, what's reviewed well, and then I'm going to walk over across the street to that theater. That still exists to a certain extent, but those days are, are are getting you know are getting fewer and fewer. And I think we need. We need both. We need, you know, great creative. We need awareness, but most importantly, we need people to uh, to say, you know, you you need to see this. And that's not a critic only. That's, you know, that's your friends, that's your peers, and those are the people that you follow on 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 social media. So, in a way, are you saying that you'd rather invest in a, a social media community management strategy uh, versus to a publicity strategy? If you had to choose one versus the other. Um, so, well, let me, let me adjust that and say I would invest in the things that drive the social media strategy. So, for example, I, I believe that if you have a film that, that works well and, 
I learned this with Exodus through the gift shop, and it's something that I was pleased that you know my team and John Sloss, you know, were, were completely behind. Is that if you have a film that 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 people like, you you screen it a lot before it opens because, um, and that goes against what 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 common wisdom is. You know, common wisdom is you don't show it more than what you need to because you don't you know you don't want to give up your box office by people seeing it for free rather than paying for it. But the truth is, is that if you show it a lot and people love it, then all of a sudden um, they're talking about it before you're in theaters, and there's nothing more powerful than that. So, um, uh, so uh, I think that 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 becomes uh, becomes critical. So social media on its own is 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 worthless. I mean, you you know, people are going to become engaged not because you have a Facebook page. But because they're hearing about it, or they're somebody's talking about it, or they've gone to an event, um, uh, and uh, that's you know that's that's the best social media strategy is to drive it from other things. I see that the social media amplifies whatever you're pushing, but if there's nothing for it to uh, to work with, then it's just a, a useless tool. That's right. That's right. And and. Um, uh, and that's why, like you know, pure. If you're purely a social media agency, I don't get it. You know, because what does that mean? That means you're updating a Facebook page, um, or you're buying Facebook likes, or you know, wh what does that mean? You're reliant on other things to happen. Well, what about events? What about screenings? What about PR? All of that drives social media. So, I, I uh, could imagine that would you consider it a cross-disciplinary approach where you have those different departments engaging and wearing different hats so it's a much more uh, I guess a uniform vision for a film's uh, push versus having everything kind of like fragmented yeah and that's and that's one of the benefits of of, of, um, of alternative distribution or of you know what what we called self distribution right because you could put a team together that 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 aren't coming from different departments or aren't working for a big corporation where they've got you know 20 meetings a day to go to that are motivated by their passion um, and all are all working together under one goal and and um, uh, that happens a lot at the studio system too so I'm not suggesting that studios don't have um, you know teams that are working together they do but um, you know, you can do with six people what you can do with twenty if those six people are, are are working in a war room fashion, where they're working all against a common goal, and that's success. Now, when should filmmakers contact you? What process is it before the movie is made? When the film is finished? What is the best time that you want to collaborate with, um, like a, a team? Well, it's getting to earlier and earlier. I mean, I you know. Um, Right now, I'm reading you know more scripts than I'm watching screeners, and that's because um, uh, at the production stage, we can develop certain tools and certain assets that can then be used really effectively um, when a film is is released, um, but need to be thought through and made during production. So um, I typically now will get certain scripts or get if it's a documentary, you know, certain, I'll, I'll be briefed um, when a film uh, goes into into production. All right. And um, what kind of uh, deal structure? Is it based on a consulting fee? Is it based on some type of commission of like uh, from the film? Is there a typical uh, deal structure between uh -huh. you and a filmmaker? 
every project is different. Some have, you know, budgets that have been raised. Some don't. I, uh, it's usually a hybrid of that. I mean, it's, 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 it's usually, um, uh, you know, a, an incentive to, to really build, um, build something. So a straight feed doesn't really create that incentive. Um, uh, but then again, at the same time, um, you know, there's certain costs and services that need to be, you know, need to be dealt with. And, um, your advice to producers, they want to, uh, go with a new model for distribution. What percentage of the budget would you put into, um, you know, that layer that would have existed if they dealt with a traditional distribution company in regards to the, the push, the mark PR, um, any types of screenings, like what kind of uh, ask, like what percentage would you? So engage? there's so many consultants that would just give you a number and kind of say it, and it becomes easy to kind of answer that question with an absolute. The problem with that is is that then you 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 you're 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 actually just creating something to fit a financial model and not creating a financial model to fit the project. So for example, you know you can overspend on a movie um, uh, and then make less money because. You know, you shouldn't have had as much PNA funds um, because it didn't, it, it didn't, it, it, it wouldn't, it didn't, it didn't make sense. So if I put the number high and say, okay, well, it should be this, then it might be too much. You can also, um, uh, you know, have too little, obviously. So every plan is different, and it's got to be based on what the movie is. It's got to be based on on what what you see as the potential. So you know, should a uh, a, a filmmaker, you know, include in their budget some PNA funding. Absolutely, and, and I always say raise at least fifty thousand um, uh, dollars for for that. Um, uh, now that doesn't mean that you can do everything on fifty thousand dollars, but I, I think that that that's that's the that's the floor, um, and I think that um, uh, you know you can go up from there. So. For me, it's not a percentage, you know, because again, you could have a production budget that's not reflective of the overall film. Um, I would say, you know, start at fifty thousand and move up. Uh, and um, I completely agree with you. Just recently, I was at a uh, screening at a kind of a little bit smaller film festival, but still respectable. And um, I was invited to screening these filmmakers. They really worked very hard to make this movie, and it was pretty good. It wasn't amazing, but it was good enough, in my opinion, to get them more work. But where they fell short was in the budget was uh, PR and uh, some marketing, and so they spent all this time making it, and then they they weren't able to cut through all the noise. So it's it's kind of it's kind of sad, you know. I think a lot of I don't know if it's in film school or where it starts, but a lot of filmmakers they budget in a way where just get the movie out there, and then I guess the movie will sell itself. We'll have a great trailer, but that doesn't always work. So have you noticed uh, the kind of a trend sometimes where? The filmmakers feel that the material will just sell itself, and then what happens is you just don't get any attention, and it hurts their ability to uh, get the next film going. Yeah, I mean, uh, the every every you know what I learned from all of the films is that everything again is connected, and you know you could have the, a great film and be in the wrong theater, um, and and then you know have have results that are reflected. For that, you can have, um, uh, you know, um, uh, a situation where I mean, to be honest with you, weather. I mean, people don't talk about you know calendar and, and, and weather. You you know, there's so many variables 
that exist when you release a movie. You know, look, we have a situation now where every week in New York, and it, it's starting earlier this year than it was in the past, there's, you know, there's 28 movies that are being, being debuted and premiered every week. So what is that, you know, what, what environment does that create? What does it tell you? It tells you that you're going to have a very short life um, in a theater unless you so overperform um, and there's films that are going to spend a lot more money and lose money, by the way, to perform well, that a film that, that, that is quite, quite, quite good and should be in theaters longer than it, it, it's able to because it needs to find its audience and it needs that word of mouth are going to be out quicker than ever before. So the environment is, is so brutal because, you know, if, 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 if the, the goal is to, is to, be in a great theater and, and you know, it's not that easy for, for a lot of films without traditional distributors to, to get those theaters. And then you get the theater only to know that there's 10 movies behind you that, that are, are, you know, are, are sitting there waiting for you to, um, not even underperform, but not overperform. What that means is that you're going to, you're going to be out quicker than you would have in the past. So, Timing is everything, um, uh, you know. So a lot of times, it's it's again, it's so easy to kind of put on paper. Well, you know, here's what a filmmaker should do, and here's what needs to happen, and only realize that what what they really need to do is be agile and be able to make changes and adjustments, and and um, and 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 know that what what's on paper and what's actually going to happen. Um, are two different things, and you only know this from experience. You know, it's like you you only know exactly what's going to happen or what can happen from having done it, you know, five or six, you know, ten, twenty times in the new environment. And um, uh, you know, I think that it's it's something that you have to learn by doing. And um, based on your experience, so what is your favorite promotional tool for filmmakers? An email list. I know that sounds that sounds like the least sexiest thing in the world. Like, oh my God, I've, you know, we're going back to email. You're you're telling me with you know with Facebook and Twitter and you know apps and all this stuff. Um, I I think the most powerful tool is when a fa when a when a filmmaker builds a personal email list or has great contacts um, and says, you know, I've worked on this movie for three years and finally it's going to be at the IFC theater on Friday night. Um, you know, please come and, and, and let's celebrate, you know, at the bar next door and have a beer. Um, uh, I've seen, you know, I've seen the momentum from those first screenings selling out because the filmmaker um, has an email list that then leads to the ability to have momentum. So, um, uh, so I think that, that the lo-fi sometimes is, is the the most effective. And why would you argue that the email is more effective than other uh, forms of communication? It's a great question because it's, 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 it's passionate, it's honest, it's real, it's authentic. So as a marketer, I can't compete with the, 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 the conversion ability of a filmmaker. Now it's to a smaller group, I agree. As a marketer, I'm trying to reach millions, not thousands, right? But, in, in a, but we have to work kind of micro, we have to micro-target things. So if, if I'm, 
you know, if I'm in, in Austin, Texas, and, and I'm in one theater, and there's, you know, the need to make sure that that, that, that city works, um, you know, national advertising is not going to help me um, be successful in Austin, Texas, right? So, so I, I, I constantly have to, with independent films, balance the big and the small. You know, if we're in 10 theaters, and you know, six of them are doing really well. Well, four of them need help, and those four are going to be regional. So, Dallas, Texas. How do I make sure I stay in a theater in Dallas, Texas? I mean, as a marketer, I need to think about that. And I know that that you know, advertising is not the way to solve that problem. The way to solve that problem is to say, you know, do we have the ability to connect with people? on an emotional level so that they get out and they champion the film in Dallas, Texas. Um, and and it, it, it's something that, that comes from relationships and, and passion. And, and, and I think that, you know, that's my world. You know, my world is, is big national stuff, but often it's, it's, it's very, very small micro-targeted things. You know, Sunday on, on you know, in San Francisco, um, it, it, you know, the weather was beautiful and nobody went to the movie theater. Um, uh, well, you know, what are we going to do on Monday? I see that, uh, you have more of a personal connection when you hit someone with an email versus some just kind of, you know, I guess Facebook or Twitter and this gets lost in the, on the feed, you know, so well, they, they both have their, they both have their purpose. I mean, look, I mean, I'm not against advertising completely. Because advertising can do two things. One is it, it can create just awareness. And, and the worst problem is yeah. so, so, so awareness is important. Um, and second, it could, you could, you could make, you know, if you have the money, you can make something into an event. You know? so, so advertising can really eventize, if you will, something quite well. But advertising alone is not going to be enough. You need the the personal the passionate in addition to advertising so um and then some films you have so much of the personal and passionate that you don't need advertising at all you know you just you just don't need it but you don't know that until you see people connect with the film i mean i have a lot of people that come to me and say you know what we we want to be the first to you know spend more money in social media and not spend money on advertising so you know we can prove that you don't need advertising but they're not looking at whether the film really connects with people on a passionate level. So, well, if it's not going to connect with people because they, they can't wait to tell 20 other people about the movie, then you know what? You could put more money into social media, but that doesn't mean it's going to be more effective in terms of getting people into the theater. You only know that when you see the momentum building, when you feel it. It's not something that you can quantify. Like when, you know, when we saw that, that we were just you know, getting such incredible excitement around uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop and Senna and, and The Imposter, I could go back to the team and say, let's spend less money on advertising because we don't need it. We're, 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 I, I, we can, we're gonna do well because we're tracking and trending really well and so we can cut back on advertising. What more, most often people do is like, well then let's spend more money on advertising because then we know we can reach even more people and all of a sudden you get in this very dangerous game of spending more money than you're making. 
But you don't know if you could spend less on advertising until you see if people actually care about the movie. And most movies people don't care about. Uh, that makes uh, perfect sense. So how could a popular social networks like Facebook, Twitter, and I also consider YouTube a social network, become more useful for filmmakers? So it's almost not how filmmakers could use them better. It's how could those tools improve to help filmmakers? So I think, I think it's up to the filmmakers. I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, the people that work at Twitter and Facebook um, are, are, not, are not supposed to be thinking about filmmakers. But if they did, like say for instance, if you had a magic wand, how could those tools improve, like themselves improve so they would be more beneficial to the filmmakers? Well, the only thing that they can improve is by giving the data to the filmmakers and letting the filmmakers, you know, have a dashboard to be able to do things. But a lot of those tools have that. So, so they're not, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I understand your question, but, but I, I've been in technology and entertainment for, you know, for 20 years and I, and People at these companies never build tools for their audiences. The audiences take the tools and then they hack into them or they use them in unique ways. It is not they Facebook should not be thinking about how to create tools for filmmakers. They should be thinking about how to create a great platform for communication. And then it's up to the filmmakers to experiment and do do things in interesting ways. So if it's about the filmmakers in a sense like hacking the the tools and making them work for themselves. How would you feel filmmakers could potentially use, let's say, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook better? What are some of the less obvious uh, tips? Um, some of the less obvious tips create. I mean, I don't know what it might be obvious to some, not obvious to others. I mean, create shareable content. You know, a lot of people still think that that okay, well, I have you know people on my Facebook page, so. What I'm really supposed to be doing is using the status update to sh share information with them and let them know that on Friday my movie comes out or give them the trailer. And, and so it's kind of this distribution of me to them. But that's not what social networking is about. Social networking is about, is about me giving something to somebody that they want to share with 20,000 more people. And so the, the biggest adjustment that that most people still don't make is they create messages that go to their audience not create messages that are supposed to be shared by their audience um, and we're constantly learning about new ways to create shareable content it's not about you know a viral video that's the coolest thing in the world for everything um, because sometimes by the way that cool viral video is so much about marketing and not about the movie that, that it doesn't have any impact. It could be an image. It could be um, a call to action. Please share this with your friends. You know, people don't even do that. Um, so I think that, that, that this idea of, of sharing is what social media is all about. And, and not enough filmmakers tap into that sensibility. And uh, would you look at potentially transmedia storytelling um, as an approach? So you're adding value to um, your followers by extending the story potentially in a web series or different ways that kind of build upon it but don't dilute it. So it's not the redundancy, but it just kind of expands on uh, the story of the documentary or film. Well, yes and no. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you need demand, right? So you could create all of the transmedia extended storylines you want if nobody is is interested in seeing the movie having a a a transmedia campaign 
all that is is more money and more diversion from from you know focusing people onto the movie. So it's kind of a catch twenty two, right? Because then if you have already demand, then what do you need transmedia for? So I think transmedia has its place. I mean, I'm much more interested in making transmedia a I hate the word monetizable. I don't even think it is a word in it itself, but make it something that's increasing revenue as opposed to it being only marketing messages. I think we give we give away way too much for free nowadays trying to chase a limited amount of dollars. And if something is invaluable as, you know, um, as something, I think we're, we're just conditioning ourselves that, you know, it makes no sense, right? Content that's on a, on a DVD extra suddenly has value, but content that's on, on you know, YouTube has no value, even though it could also be the same content. So why? Because it's on a physical DVD, we're still conditioned to think that that's what's going to sell a DVD. And the answer is yes, there's a lot of people that want to buy a DVD because they, they want that additional content. But as we move from DVDs, just like we moved away from cassette you know, tapes and we moved away from 8-track and we moved away from CDs for music, well, you know, the film industry is still holding on to this, oh, well, anything that's valuable, put it on a DVD. Put it on a DVD for 500 people to buy it or 1,000 people to buy it. Why wouldn't you sell it digitally or create something that's monetizable through advertising with that content? Well, that's interesting. I spoke to the creator of a uh, of an interactive album uh, that was created for Bjork, and right. the great thing about it was you couldn't steal it, you know, because it was there's a walled garden of it being interactive app versus like say an album. So it may be interesting that maybe some future value add would be some type of interactivity to the. F- to the experience that's on top of the film itself, so you can't just get off of a Netflix that you actually have to purchase it, like a, an, well, as an so app I, or something. I, so I saw that. So so you know, here's the difference about and and you know, people will say in music, you know, give away the music for free to then market other things. And what they're really basically saying is that when you go on tour, you can then you know make money on a tour, right? Okay, that actually I believe that for music, but there is no equivalent for filmmakers, right? Because you, you, you don't have the ability to sell a, a, a $35 ticket in a movie theater. You're not selling t-shirts out in the lobby. You're not creating a database with those email addresses because you don't, you don't, you don't have any other source of income as a film, as a director than that. So people that, that kind of like, well, give away all this content for some, you know, for, for, for a piece of the box office, but if the box office is getting smaller and smaller, and ultimately we're pushing people to a three ninety nine rental or a free, you know, stream as part of a, a you know, a, a Netflix monthly subscription, where is all of this this money going to come from? That makes giving away your movies away for free now. So I'm actually more in the camp of the opposite. Um, Try to elevate your content and don't give it away. Try to figure out ways to make sure that it's bundled as part of an enhanced experience in seeing the movie. Exactly, whether or not it's a social way that brings people together or potentially even an interactive way, but something that gives the value add because there's no reason just to you know, throw up brands, go, oh, whatever, you know, who cares? Uh, the key is figuring out how do you how do you make money out of this? How do you turn this each uh, you know project into a business within itself? Uh, a while back, uh, the producer I think Mark Gill was saying that 
the life of the middle like middle like budgets in the middle have like got dropped out so they're either very low or very big mm-hmm. i was wondering if you were able to uh run a film studio where where would you want to focus on like where is the opportunities is it in the iron man or is it in the very is in the smaller budget uh, films that have the community that you could build around it potentially and the more uh, passion indie driven so what do you think that um lo- on the long term you would uh place your funds well, I would have to do something that I that I love and that I enjoy that I find rewarding. So, the Ironmans aren't really for me exciting, rewarding. It's it's not what I'm interested in doing. So, you know, if there are a few people that can still you know make a lot of money making big Hollywood studio blockbusters, that's that's fine for them. I mean, I don't you know I mean that's there's there's a you know that's what Hollywood is all about, and certainly um, you know millions and millions of people love those movies. I think for me, the the, the exciting thing is um, is the, the the independent films, the smaller independent films um, that have more flexibility and agility. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. I think it's still new for people to figure out the right the right approach. Um, but I think uh, you know I think there's there's the ability to control. Um, and, and, and experiment and do things. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited about the independent, the kind of the, the lower, I think, of, of the budgets that you kind of referenced. Um, uh, and I definitely, not only would I put my money in that area, I am putting my money in that area. All right. And um, if it's all about community, uh, in a sense, management on the side, on a much more personal level than typically, it almost seems like, Film websites are uniquely suited to be producers. Like, could Cool News be a producer, or could IndieWire be a producer? Is because they're managing the interactions with so many individuals. Do you think there's a benefit for filmmakers instead of just being a collective of filmmakers? Is they all kind of banded together and create like a network? You notice with Kevin Smith that he has this whole podcast network. So there's ways that he's collect these collectives of uh, producing content, but at the same time, this little content builds out this uh you know this fan base and then once they have a you know a film or a, some type of a speak engagement they could uh leverage that you think filmmaker teams should get together to yes. approach that strategy absolutely i mean it's it's funny that you were saying about you know about those web brands i think first of all you still have to make a good movie you have to make something that that works you can't just say okay well because i have a brand or i have a community or i'm a network suddenly you know it's it's easier than everybody else i mean you, but you're you're you you're right. You have a you have a an audience base and a connected community that is a very very valuable asset. Um, and I think that that you that the you know the collaboration aspect of it in all areas is definitely where we're going. I mean, you see a lot of that with just the way that filmmakers are working together. You know, one day one will you know what for one film one, you know one would direct will direct, and then the next film. They'll, they'll become a producer for somebody else to direct, and then you know one person you know is 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 helping um, uh, in the camera crew, and then they're doing something different, and and the films are at a very high level, and they're being done with co- collective teams, um, and uh, I I absolutely think that 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 that's a model that is exciting and works. And you know I don't really see it. I really don't see that model beyond the collaborative. Let's make a movie way. 
but when it comes to the pipes, it's sometimes it's hard if a filmmaker is just like, hey, I work a nine to five and also I'm a filmmaker. It's hard for them to actively engage as much as if there was a team of them all taking spots going, all right, today you create a blog post today, next day you do this. And the reason I brought it up was I talked to an entertainment executive and I said, wouldn't it be great if you know my favorite rap artists had their own YouTube? He's like, that's great, but what about all the programming? He's like, what about the collective of hip hop artists all coming together so there's more of a constant stream of new content versus it getting uh, still. So I guess that's the challenge is beyond the team of collaborations is if they got together and create a, a community building uh, of storytelling versus every couple of years when they're lucky to get that financing and they come together and they make the movie. But between these huge gaps of communication, they have to earn the audience's uh, trust again, which is a lot of work. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I guess the, the last couple of questions are um, when, when do you think the advertising on on YouTube will be closer to television? Like when do you think that things are going to start balancing up? Because I know it's improving, but it's still a pretty big gap. What do you mean closer to television? Well, like say for instance, there are stars on uh, YouTube that are the top, you know, getting huge, you know, amount of viewers and they're making good money, but they're not making like fantastic money. And I don't know if it's a, I don't, I don't know if the, the amount of dollars from advertising is going to, put them in a position to do content that costs more money to produce. So there's a certain level where the where the production value is lower because they, you know, I sense obviously there's speed, they need to put the content out fast. But some of them I spoke to you go, well, it would be great to get more money so we could, you know, do a little bit, you know, more of a cinematic approach or do a little bit more TV approach. So the qu question is, when is the advertising going to shift uh, in a way that's going to allow them to, to bring up the production value? It's a very loaded question because it determined on so many things. Unfortunately, it's heading in the other direction. It's heading into it becoming more of a commodity, and it's 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 not going in the direction that it should be going. It's going in a worse direction. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, that's something that we still have to we still have to see. That makes sense. And then uh, last question is. Sure. What books and blogs do you recommend? Like, what, are, what are, uh, any material that you've been excited about that you've been you really want to you know get the word out about that uh, in the last couple of years you've checked out? It's a great question. Um, uh, I don't read books anymore because they well I read books but I don't read you know film books or or you know or, or kind of industry books or business books because they're out of date too quickly and I just think that they're that they're they're not they're the crap. I, I think that uh, you know, just connecting yourself with smart people in social media, people share great articles. There's, you know, I guess Jason Hershorn's Media Redefined, you know, newsletter is the ultimate source. I think if you get if you get what you know if you get Jason's curated, you know, um, uh, articles that he sends out that he finds and sends out, uh, you're uh, you know you're you're in, in great shape. So I would put it at that. All right, great. Well, great. thanks so much for being um, on the Thank show. You. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz. You can check me out at petercats.net, K-A-T-Z, and email me at katzfilms at gmail.com if you have any questions or suggestions. Talk to you later.